Yeah, the Yooks and the Zooks live on opposite sides of a long curving wall. The Yooks wear blue clothes, the Zooks wear orange. The primary dispute between the two cultures is that the Yooks eat their bread butter side up and the Zooks eat their bread butter side down. The conflict between the two sides leads to an escalating arms race, which results in the threat of mutually assured destruction. Hmm. I've never considered eating my bread butter side down. You wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's, <clears throat> but the point is it's a silly, frivolous thing. Is leads... it though? Is it meaningfully different? I don't know. Flip your bread over and find out. How do you eat your bread? I eat it butter side up, but I don't I don't often think about how I do it. I've never considered this, but now I'm realizing if you eat it butter side down, you're getting butter directly mm-hmm. on the tongue. Well, as I was thinking about this as I was eating my piece of buttered bread just moments ago, I have a mustache that's rather long, and mm-hmm. I considered, like, literally as I was putting it in my mouth, I should flip this over so I don't get butter in my mustache. Or mustache in your butter. Yeah, both would be bad. Yeah. Um... Now I'm worried. I'm gonna take a bite of this bread. Do it. Butter side down. Yeah. I'm excited because I love the taste of butter. Who doesn't? And if I get butter directly on the tongue, I'll get a burst of butter you get a flavor. Bigger butter flavor. Um, but also butter is oily, and that's mm-hmm. an unpleasant sensation on my tongue. So maybe it'll feel gross, but taste good. Well, let's find out. Okay. Wow. World of difference. Hmm. That is worth a nuclear war. <laughs> have, you, have you converted? I don't know. That definitely tasted more buttery. Yeah. Like, I could eat bread with butter and use less butter if mm-hmm. I ate it that way. Yeah. Save um, it on butter. The sensation wasn't all that unpleasant. Okay. But I feel like using, if you generalize to topping side up instead of just butter, I feel like that's a safer format for eating well your topping is not going to fall off but your butter is not in danger of falling off right but like your slice of ham might sure right i'm not i'm not eating a ham on a single slice of bread but i'm saying if you can generalize your life rules to whenever something is on my bread eat that side up Mm -hmm. you're playing it safe you're assuring success like I might get confused if I'm like, oh, sometimes it like the butter's the butter's down, but the peanut butter is up. I mean, peanut butter will stick to the bread fine. I don't know. Depends on how much peanut butter you're putting on your bread. Enough that it'll stick fine. <laughs> right, but I might get confused, and then maybe one day I'll like accidentally eat a open faced sandwich upside down, and it'll all fall apart, and I'll be like, I thought it was butter. And I, I hope that happens. I to don't you. need the mental burden of analyzing what's on my bread and deciding if if it should be up or down. I feel like if you're not analyzing what's on your bread until you put it in your mouth, you have failed earlier on in this process. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll eat bread with anything on it. Clearly. <laughs> so what is that? Some rusty nails? Well, better keep it butter side up. Hey, it's on bread. I should put it in my mouth. Um, use chewing gum. That did taste a lot better, though. I'm gonna change your world. I'm gonna have to give this a try. Yeah. Next time I'm, I've been thinking about making butter. It's it's totally doable. I feel like like I remember doing it one time as like a gimmick. You like put some. We did it in like third grade. Yeah, exactly. You like put some cream in a container with a yeah. thing, and then just shake it a bunch. And then you got butter, but like yep. you I'll, put some salt in it. Yeah, unless you want unsalted butter. Well, true. That's valid. 
which um, I generally cook with unsalted butter. But if I was making my own butter, I feel like that's that's an eating butter, not a cooking butter. Correct. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, but yeah, like I, because I bake bread regularly. Mm-hmm. It's like, wouldn't it be nice to have like a, like go buy some like good fresh cream? Oh yeah, and like go to like a farmer's market, make your own butter out of it, and then yeah. put that on your freshly baked bread. Yeah, although it's, like, I think it's illegal to sell raw milk. I've got a guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, I wish I had a guy. I mean, there are people who have guys. Like, mm-hmm. you can you can get raw milk. I've done it. Yeah. When I when I lived in, Mass- in, like, farm town, Massachusetts, yeah. like, we had a guy. Oh, yeah. We'd go buy raw milk every once in a while. Yeah, that's good stuff. Or goat's milk. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know if I've ever drank goat's milk straight. I think the rule is you can sell raw milk if you're selling it, quote-unquote, for the purpose of something other than drinking <laughs> right i guess i don't know fda gets mad about things so you can say like i'm selling you this raw milk but the purpose of it is to take like a milk bath yeah don't drink it right you can't i'm not selling this to you to drink it's to bathe in yeah and you go gotcha wink wink and you buy it and then drink it. and then you can do whatever you want it's your milk at that point it's your milk yeah yeah um yeah i wonder so i watched this video mm-hmm that was I forget what it was from. It was very like chef's tabley, sure, right? But it was just like some YouTube video, and it was it was showing this like cool butter shop, yeah, that makes makes their own butter. It makes fancy butter that they sell to like fancy restaurants, yeah. And it would and it looked like so like I'd wanted to dive whole body into this like giant thing of butter because mm-hmm. it looked so like incredibly delicious yeah and but just like the texture of it you wanted to just like get your body inside of it <laughs> i was like man i should make some of my own butter looks really good you can i mean like you can go to the uh grocery store and buy some heavy whipping cream and make butter yeah yeah uh, yeah we did it when we made butter in third grade uh we had baby food jars and they put you know, teacher put like some heavy whipping cream into the baby food jars mm-hmm. and then like just made us shake it until it was butter, mm-hmm. um, which I realized like later in life was just an activity that you give to children who you can't do anything else with to get rid of their energy. <laughs> yeah, It's like, all right, we're making butter today. Everybody grab a jar. and I'm just going to shake and it, until we cannot shake anymore. And it's like a science project, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, oh, look, you made butter. And the teacher's sitting there like, finally, I get a minute to sit down. <laughs> Yeah, like that's definitely that kind of an activity. Yeah, you never you never realize that stuff when you're a child. But no, yeah, most things you do in school are just so the teacher can get a can break. stop for a minute. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, butter, bread, mustaches, the butter battle book, Doctor Seuss. Yeah, you know the um, the Sneeches. What was the book about the Sneeches? Because it's another, it's another like Dr. Seuss war allegory. Mm-hmm. Um, I recognize that. I don't have a lot of Dr. Seuss knowledge, apparently. Yeah, you're missing out. He was a, he was a good good dude. Uh, so the Sneetches, there were some Sneetches that, the star-bellied Sneetches, and then the not star-bellied Sneetches, they did not have stars upon theirs. Mm. And um, I'm... I'm failing to remember like a parable aspect of it because so many of his books have a, a parable all of them probably right uh arguably i th- I feel like the cat in the hat is pretty uh just like, about a cat like, in the hat yeah <laughs> i don't think there's a lot going on there yeah not that i can think of but i remember this the sneeches 
created a machine that would put stars on the bellies of snitches. So if you wanted to become a star-bellied snitch, because I think it was it was about like uniqueness. I'm making all of this up. So this is 100% wrong probably. Because <laughs> there was like one snitch that got a star and mm-hmm. everyone was like, oh, that guy's really awesome and unique and by himself. Mm. And so then all the snitches wanted to get stars and so they did. And then now the guy who has no star becomes unique and so they end up yep. in this cycle of adding and removing stars from their belly until the end when there was a pretty even mix of people with stars and without nobody remembered which one was the cool one right and so they just went on about their lives yeah yeah that's like like middle school it's a lot like middle school yeah like jumping on a fad or not yeah did you have any cool fads in middle school oh man um I had a pair of Jinko jeans. I never had any Jinkos. Or no, they were like Kmart knockoff Jinkos. Yeah. But yeah, you know, they weren't the kinds with all the loops and straps. Just just the really big just legs. Just the really wide ones. Yeah. Wide legs. Um I did a lot of fat activities. Okay. Um I played yo yo a lot. I feel like mm. yo yo was like a fad yeah, toy. Yeah, I remember yo yo getting into getting big. Um I got very good at yo yoing and then Years later, when no one yo-yoed anymore, I started yo-yoing again and, like, caused my friend group to, like, bring yo-yos to school again. Oh, wow. And we all, like, yo-yoed a lot. Cool. So I, like, tried to restart a fad. But it was really just, like, me and my weird friends. And yeah. everyone was like, oh, it's the yo-yo oh, kids. Yeah. <laughs> yo-yo guys. Yeah. Um, yo-yo folk. I don't know. I This is, like, one of the few parts of my personality that carries over into adulthood is, like, I feel like I'm pretty resistant to fads mm-hmm. like i try to be resistant to fads because yeah. i think fads are dumb and bad and i don't want to hop on bandwagons because mm-hmm. like oh that's lame but i don't know sometimes fads are just fine yeah like I, I nowadays i don't feel like like oh look at all those stupid people doing a thing they're enjoying yeah those people are having fun <laughs> <laughs> oh like you want the fattest thing uh, the past year was probably like Pokemon Go. Yeah, right. It's real big. It's pretty easy to be like, oh, look at all these losers playing Pokemon Go, like having uh, fun. Such a waste of time. Yeah. You could be doing something like productive. Yeah, but no, they were all having fun. Yeah, it was good. And I played Pokemon Go a little bit. And I think I played it for like a day. I think that's about all I could manage. I played for a a week or two, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, this game is pretty fun, but like. I don't need to spend hours a day playing this forever. And that's like how you have to play the game if you're going to like actually play it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I got it. Cool. This was fun. But it's cool to see that people, some fads like survive in a small subset of people. Like there's people, I still have friends who play Pokemon Go every day. Yeah. yeah. And they're like really good at it. Mm -hmm. You get the diehards. Yeah. Which is cool. I think there's still like Pog diehards. I hope so. Like, I was I was into Pogs real like good. Like never stopped playing Pogs. I hope so. Uh, yeah, Pogs was a big one. Tamagotchi, another popular one. I was yeah. at a school that like Tamagotchis got banned from. Really? Yeah, because they were too distracting. Wasn't there another brand? Uh, there was like a pet, like Digi Pet or yeah. something like. It was that. like the Digimon to Pokemon. Yeah, like something. To yeah, Tamagotchi. it was like it was yeah. like you know Virtual Pet. I think is what it was called. <laughs> yeah, Tamagotchi was very fun. Yeah. Um. Beanie Babies were, of course, a big thing. Beanie Babies, yes. My family got into Beanie Babies mm-hmm. a lot. Oh, we had a lot of them. And I, so like I had Beanie Babies because yeah. people would buy me Beanie Babies because yeah. my family was like, this is it. 
this is the future. Yeah. We're going to a Beanie Baby based economy. <laughs> yep. This is this is your money now. So let's just buy Beanie Babies as gifts for all the cousins. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and I was like, these bears are weird. I don't want these. <laughs> yeah, Beanie Babies were cool because they were also existed like in that very early internet stage. Right. Where there was like you'd go online and you'd like try and find information about the rare ones or how to tell if yours was valuable or not, and like the misprints and all that sort of like early 2000s late 90s internet culture Mm -hmm. like that was really cool yeah yeah and then like beanie babies started dying as ebay rose yes and so people like ebay was used heavily to like dump your beanie babies yeah it's a big deal yeah um beanie babies are a very like i associate them with like a very particular kind of like lame sadness because my grandfather was like the instigating factor of the beanie baby love in my family, mm-hmm. my extended family. And he had hundreds mm-hmm. of them, like maybe approaching like a thousand beanie babies. Okay. He had like almost lot all of them, of them yeah. like uh, super obsessed with collecting them all because they were going to be valuable. And he was a collector of things yeah. anyway. I mean, I feel that I'm a, I'm a collector of things. Yeah. Um, and then I remember when he died in like, I think it was like 2013, mm-hmm. 2012, 2013 or so. Um, I remember like going over to his house and like helping my grandma like clean out the garage of all like stuff. And they were just like plastic totes just crammed full yeah. of beanie babies that hadn't been touched in like years, yeah. years and years and years. And it's like, oh, look at all these things that like so much time and money was spent on. Mm-hmm. And then you die and then someone has to deal with it. Gives them. <laughs> To the Salvation Army. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Like <laughs> That's definitely true. Yeah. I think what I think that's probably a a character forming instance Moment. of why I don't like to collect things. Yeah. Uh did I tell you what happened to our Beanie Baby collection in like my family? I don't think so. Because my sister became like the steward of them, which is to say she had the basket full of beanie babies in her bedroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, my family adopts golden retrievers, uh, typically older goldens, because they're the ones who are harder to get a home for. And they're also like way less rambunctious, which is great because then you have like a quiet, relaxed dog Mm -hmm. instead of like a puppy. Uh, And so we had a dog. uh, We got a dog named Angel, uh, who was our second or third golden that we had. You had like one at a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like our first golden was Lady, who we got actually as a puppy, um, rescued still, mm-hmm. and raised her until she passed. And we started getting you know the older ones because those were way more fun, right? Like or relaxing, I guess. Easier to have. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lady when she was a puppy, like chewed on our walls, <laughs> just on the flat wall. Just uh, well, you like on corners and things, <laughs> but like just. <laughs> it's like that's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, so one yes. of our. The dog was called Angel, who was a very nice young dog. And she had been a puppy mill. Like, that's where they found her and rescued her. Hmm. And so she'd been forced to have litter after litter. Um, and had a very strong maternal instinct after that. Right. And sometime after we got Angel, the Beanie Babies started appearing in different parts of our house. <laughs> like, they would just show up places. Right. Uh, and we did not connect it to the dog at the time because we never saw her like doing anything with them Mm. she was just hanging out uh but what it was was we eventually discovered and she became more comfortable with us and we realized like she thought they were like her children and so she would go like 
pick them up out of the basket where they were and like leave them places and like move them around. Yeah. And some of them were outside Beanie Babies and some of them were inside Beanie Babies. And like by this point in the, you know, it was, you know, at least 20, 2005 or something like Beanie Babies was way over by this point. And we're mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's about as good a use as anything with them is that the dog have them. Yeah. And like, you didn't try to like stop them. that behavior. No, no we didn't yeah. care. We, we were not invested in our Beanie Baby collection. Um, but it was, it was kind of a cute, like, she has, those are her babies and she just, you know, yeah. pick them up, move them around and leave them places. <laughs> I like that from the dog's perspective. Yeah. Like you get a new dog, it's exploring its new place and then it goes into this bedroom and like, oh, there's a, it's a big batch of puppies. There's over a whole here. basket <laughs> full of my children in yeah. here. Like, <laughs> yeah. I like that. you just get to. Yeah. Carry him around. And she did it with socks too, so it was the same sort of like anything like soft. Yeah, she would really like. To. It's like a, I have, um, I have these two uh, stuffed rat toys. Okay. Um, from IKEA mm-hmm. that Theo uses. Yeah. And every morning I wake up and there's a white one and a brown one, and they're just in different parts of the apartment. <laughs> right. And I wake up and part of my morning routine, like one of the very first things I do is I grab his bowls and mm-hmm. I give, give him fresh food and water in the morning. Yep. And then I go find his brown and white rat and I pick them up and I put them back in the corner. <laughs> and then he doesn't play with them during the day. No. Even when I'm gone at work. But at night. At night, he plays with them and throws them around and carries them around and I wake up. <laughs> I'm a pretty deep sleeper, so I don't notice him being yeah. all rambunctious at night like a normal cat, but I wake up and it's like, oh, the white one is behind the toilet and the brown one is like over in the kitchen. <laughs> Just find them in new places. That's where they are. Yeah. That's it's, cool. It's sweet. I'm trying to think of other uh other dumb fads or like dumb things we collected. Yeah. Like I collected baseball cards. Yeah, I, I think know, you've mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if that counts as a fad. No, baseball cards are timeless. Well, they're not they're they're truly just as timeless as Beanie Babies, but the <laughs> but people have been collecting them for a long time. Yes. But they don't actually they gain value just as much as Beanie Babies do. I mean, some of them are probably very valuable. Most of the rare ones, not like the ones you have. Right. I had like one rare card. Yeah. That Ken Griffey rookie card. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't even remember what it was. Yeah, that's cool. Um, no, I'm a, not much of a collector. Yeah, that's clear. I've seen your apartment. <laughs> yeah, I don't, have a, I don't have anything that could be considered a collection. I have two bicycles. Does that and count? You need at least three to be a collection. Okay. But, like, that's way more bikes than most people have. Yeah, it's not. It's... It's, it's zero to two times as many bicycles as most people have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good point. Maybe my maybe my Tolkien books. Yeah, that's about as close as you get to a collection. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still ripping all my DVDs. It's still an ongoing process. Still doing that. I mean, it's not something that like takes up like hours of my day. Mm-hmm. You know, I get home and I'll rip two or three. You know, because I basically just set it and forget it. Like I put one in, I hit the right buttons on the computer. And it goes to work. Right. Uh, and then I check back on it 45 minutes later and I put another one. Mm-hmm. But I've made progress. Like I am, uh, again, you see my apartment. I've made it through one of my tall bookshelves and mm-hmm. I'm moving into the ones under the TV because I'm moving like by physical location. So I'm starting closest to my desk and then moving yeah. farther away. Mm-hmm. But I'm it's it's going. It's moving. Yeah. I mean, 
you yeah you just do one every once in a while and eventually yeah. you'll be done as long as you're doing them faster than you're gaining new ones yes oh i did i did just buy the alien quadrilogy on blu-ray what's included in the alien quadrilogy you got alien aliens alien is it three is it that is the three. title yeah. and then resurrection yep that doesn't include prometheus i don't know that movie I don't. I know. I know of it. But oh, like, really? Are you? Uh, I've, n- I've never exist? seen it. I have no desire to see it. Like it's not. I heard nothing good enough about it to make me go see it. I haven't even seen Alien Resurrection. But the only reason I made sure to buy the quadrilogy with those four was because Alien Resurrection was written by Joss Whedon, and I'm like, okay, that's a good enough reason to own it. Yeah, it's not good. I don't expect it to be good. No. Yeah, it's not good. Um, neither is uh, the other one three or four resurrections four resurrections four yeah three is the one on the prison planet that all the one, bald dudes yeah that one's also bad it's okay um aliens and alien are both really good though those are great movies yeah alien is one of my like favorite movies it's a really good movie um prometheus is was weird yeah i oh boy um i Got really excited about it because Alien is like one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And I was like, yes, more Alien. Like directed, Please, yeah. directed by Ridley Scott. Even better. Like it's got a great cast. Yeah. The trailer was really good. And then it was one of those movies that just like doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Are you excited about the new one? Nope. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> like because Prometheus was such a, it was the kind of experience where uh, like I, I saw it in theaters. Yeah. And I remember like getting out of the movie and being like, that was good. Right. 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 Like, Please. Someone tell me that was good. <laughs> that, was, that had to have been good because it must have been. I was excited about it. Yeah. It had to be good. <laughs> and then like over the, over the days I was like, Oh no, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Um, so I'm not excited about this new one coming out. Yeah. Because it's a continuation of Prometheus and it's, like it, it might be good. It might be. And if I don't it, know. and if people say it's good, I'll probably watch it or yeah. something when it comes out. But no, I'm not like anticipating it. Yeah. No, I I didn't even bother seeing it because yeah. I I didn't hear good things like at all. Yeah. Um. Although I had a Prometheus gave me one of the weirdest post movie theater experiences ever. Yeah. Um. You know how like the world doesn't feel real after a movie after you see a movie in theaters. Like a certain kind of movie. No, but continue. No, you've never experienced this? Like you you get out of a movie theater, which is like this incredibly overwhelming, physically immersive experience. Mm-hmm. Then you just like step out into a parking lot and you're like, huh. Well, the real world is strange. I don't, I don't know that I would ever put it like that. Like my post movie experience. Hmm. I always have this really intense like dissonance with the real world after I get out of a theater. No. Huh. I'm usually like analyzing the film. Like I'm like figuring out what do I think about it. Hmm. Now let me ask you this. Do you always stay till the end of the credits? It depends. Yeah. It depends on the movie. Cause I pretty much always stay at the end of the credits, which is, is a good come down experience. Yeah. It's, it's like a, a decompression right. after the film. Right. Um, so I don't remember if I did for Prometheus or not. Yeah. But I went, I saw it at midnight. Mm-hmm. So I get out and it's like, two something yeah three o'clock in the morning and the weather before going in was totally normal Mm -hmm. couldn't tell you what was going on with the weather it was weather but super normal uh when we got out it was obviously dark yeah but the densest 
fog I've ever <laughs> experienced. Like to the point where like you walk out the movie theater door and you can you can see like one row of cars in front of you in the parking wow. lot. Um and then the drive home yeah. through this really really dense fog where you like can't see anything and you and you like can't even turn your lights on. Yeah. All the way because it's too blinding because yeah, the you fog can't is turn so close. Lights on. And and Prometheus, like although it wasn't a great movie, it was like very intense and there was scary stuff. Mm-hmm. So now you're like in this fog and you're like, oh my god, a xenomorph <laughs> is gonna like jump out at me and kill me and stuff. But I just remember yeah. that like the the dissonance of like what is the real world, yeah, combined with the fear and the terror of like this fog huh. was that's really interesting. A very strange experience. Yeah. And then by the time I got home, I was like, oh, that movie wasn't good. Yeah. Was there a xenomorph in Prometheus? Kind of. Okay. Like, I don't care if you spoil the movie. Personally. There's like a, uh, like a proto. Proto xeno. Xenomorph. Yeah. That's like how it ends. Okay. So what's the, what's the cycle of the being in it? Like a th- thing attacks a dude and then it, he has sex with the lady and then she rips a, she rips a little thing out of her stomach because he impregnated her with an alien. And then this, it was like this big giant tentacle monster. I feel like you should write the Wikipedia page on Prometheus. Yeah, no, I'm reading the Wikipedia page right now for the listeners. This is verbatim from the Wikipedia page. She gives birth to a little tentacle monster and then it, by the end of the movie, it's, it's a, a big, big giant tentacle, tentacle monster and okay. that's like the end of the movie okay. monster. And then Tentacle Monster eats a dude. Yeah. And then spits him out and a xenomorph comes out of his body. I think. That's how xenomorphs work. Or Tentacle Monster dies after eating the dude and then xenomorph comes out of Tentacle Monster. But it's not like a xenomorph. It's like it looks enough like a xenomorph where you're like, I know where we're going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So the new Alien movie is probably going to be bad too. Yeah. Is it's also directed by Ridley Scott? Yes. They let him do it again. I mean, Prometheus made a lot of money. Well, there you go. That's all they care about. That's what you need. Yeah. Just make a lot of money. Yeah. Um. You, if if you like Alien, we really need to. Again, I'm adding a list of board games that like I want to play with Jesse to make them like <laughs> board games. Uh, there's one. I think it's in my car right now called uh, Legendary Encounters, the Alien deck building game. Hmm. Uh, and it is it is a cooperative board game where you reenact all four alien films. So or you can you there's it's a modular thing. So you can you can intentionally do like alien aliens, alien three, alien resurrection, mm-hmm. or you can mix and match. And so like you have the different characters, different class types and things like that. So if you want to play like alien with four Ripley's, you totally can, one from each of the films. <laughs> Hmm. But it does a really good job of exploring the tension of particularly the first Alien movie of sort of like things are moving around in the dark. I don't know what they are. Right. It's scary. I'm scared. Yeah. You just have a dot on a sensor. Yeah. And then blood's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it definitely uh, mimics that really well. Yeah. Nice. Had that after uh, Flamme Rouge. (laughs) Yes. We'll play a game about bicycles and then a game about xenomorphs. Yeah. Um, I played a game yesterday. Yeah. A board game? A, a 
A table game? A table game? A game on a table? A game on, we were playing on a table. Uh, I went to Melanie's for Easter. Yeah. It was like a friend Easter. Yeah. And uh, there were a number of games available after yeah. we ate food. And the one that the consensus chose was Joking Hazard, the um, cyanide and the you, happiness. Have you heard my experience with Joking Hazard? I remember you telling okay. me that you hated it. Yeah. Um, and I also hated it. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, I'm always curious what my experience would be if it wasn't in previously influenced by your own. Yeah. Um, but it was very immature and kind of bad. Yeah, it's an okay game for about 15 minutes. Yeah, like the like the mechanic is great. Like the mm-hmm. like that kind of card like complete the blank, like complete yeah. the sentence, complete the whatever. Yeah. Party game is a great fun way to casually play a game. Mm-hmm. And the challenge of doing it with comic strip panels is like at least it's strong yeah it's, it's novel like i would say it is a better game than cards against humanity yeah it's more of a game because of yeah. the comic strip aspect instead of just sentences yeah um but boy is it just not all that funny no usually no um like usually with word games like cards against humanity or apples apples or whatever mm-hmm. like usually the like a nonsense mm-hmm. completion can be funny yeah because nonsense words are funny mm-hmm. but Boy, nonsense comic strip panels just don't make... Yeah. Well, I don't know if I told you this. When I played Joking Hazard, as my little subtle, like, I don't want to play this game, but I'm I'm with a group of people and we're playing this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally, like, I, I got my hand of cards at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And when the first prompt came out, I just chose the first one in my hand. You just didn't make decisions. And played it, and then drew a new one and put that at the back and just cycled through my hand. Like did, you, that's, did you win any of the hands? I won one or two. But <laughs> but like that's that's as much effort as I was willing to put into that game, because that's yeah. all the game requires. Sure. Um, I, I tried to give it my best card every time. Yeah. Um, and I won, I think, two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most, so for the most part, you either create, it's easy to create nonsense, which just isn't funny. And it, it's funny in the lol random sort of way. Sure. Which is not funny. Yeah. Um, and then when it is, when it does make sense, it's often like really, really crude and stupid. Yes. Which is a kind of humor that just really turns me off. Yeah. Like if your punchline is like one of the punchlines was it's just like smell my dick and yeah. it's like oh okay i guess yeah like little cartoon boner yeah that's and that you've described cyanide and happiness perfectly yeah <laughs> like i remember liking cyanide and happiness the webcomic mm-hmm. in middle school yeah that's about right and then i grew out of it mm-hmm. and now there's a game that i played with a bunch of 20 and 30 somethings yeah which is all middle school humor. Yeah. But the ice cream cake I ate while playing was really good. That's good. <laughs> I like ice cream cake. Yeah. Yeah, it was a... Uh, the other thing we did at Easter was uh, someone had a VR, an HTC Vive. Oh, that's cool. And brought that over. And uh, I didn't play it, but I watched people play. And boy, is that weird. Watching people play? Yeah. Yeah. Have you done a VR thing? Uh, weirdly, uh, this weekend I bought... Not 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 a like HTC or Oculus, but like I bought the little headset thing. It was uh-huh. like ten bucks on Amazon, hmm. uh, and played with it for like twenty minutes, and it was fine. Like yeah. when you put your phone in and can like watch things or go on roller coasters, right? And it's 
it's fine. Like the Vive and the other ones are probably more fun because they're interactive and you can do things. Right. But it's. VR is at about the level of like Pong when video games started. Mm hmm. Like everything is proof of concept. Very little of it is fun. Right. Right. It's like, hey, we did, we made this thing. It exists now. We made this thing and it exists now. And that's fine. You got to start there. Yeah. And I want people to be like engaged and early adopters and loving every minute of it. But I don't need to. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I didn't. I, I watched a couple people play some different games and I yeah. was like, those don't look like fun. But watching them like flail around in the middle of a living room was kind of silly. So yeah. that was enjoyable. Well, there's a, um, uh, there's, so there's a, a video game company called Double Fine. Mm-hmm. And they were one of the first really big successful video game Kickstarters way back when. But anyway, they do a thing as a company every year or two called Amnesia Fortnite, where they basically put aside all projects they're working on and take two weeks to quickly prototype four or five games. Hmm. And they make pitches to the head of the studio and say, this is the game I want to make. Here's my 30-second pitch. And he picks some of them, and they make them. Hmm. Um, and they're just they're usually really rough prototypes. They're made in two weeks. Yeah. Um, but often they end up, like, if it's a good idea, they'll flesh it out into a real game and eventually sell it. That's cool. But it's a, it's a palate cleanser. Anyway, this week's is going on, like, right now. Mm-hmm. This year's, um, and you could pay like a buck on Humble Bundle to like pick to vote on which games they were going to pick. Nice. Um, and if you paid five bucks, you got access to all the prototypes at the end, hmm. which is really cool. But one of them is a VR game, and it's called like I have no idea what I'm doing, and it's basically like VR charades. So you've it's a party game. You have one person in the VR headset with like the sticks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And everybody else has to guess what they're doing in the VR world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's that's really clever. Yeah. Yes. Like that's a clever use of VR. Like I get it. Yes. Uh, or I may have it backwards, and they have to. Everyone else has to guess or tell them what they're doing. I don't remember, but it's but it's it's a party game atmosphere. We've got one person in VR, and everybody else is not, and that's fun. That's awesome because you're engaging, like one of like the, I don't know. Like, I definitely partially subscribe to the, like, the FUD of, like, oh, VR, it's going to take over your life, and everyone just wears headsets all the time. Like, that's genuinely kind of scary to me. Yeah. Like, it was scary to watch someone spend, like, two hours playing this VR game. That's a lot of time in VR. You should speak, like, 30 minutes. (laughs) Take the headset off and be like, whoa, it's two hours later? Like, I thought it was 15 minutes. Like, it's like, oh, my God, we're all going to die. Like, VR is going to kill human civilization. Um but it's cool to see someone design an experience that is social involves everyone else yeah. out, outside of wearing. Yeah. That's no, neat. Yeah. It's a good uh, idea. So it's, I mean, that's, and that's neat to me, but like, I'm not going to throw down the money to, to get a setup and oh, get things God. to run oh it. My God. And like, yeah. Cause you need, a, you need a really intense, like usually custom built PC mm-hmm. and it's a space. Well, unless you get the, the PS VR cause you just need a PlayStation. Sure. But it's still Not, so much hassle. Right. Yeah. I don't need that. And even even this, they like the Vive is like a premier VR. Yeah, it's one of the big ones. Like it's setup. like the Vive, PSVR, and Oculus are the three big names. And they had it running on really powerful hardware. Yeah. 
But like none of the games have all that great graphics. No, because it's very hard to render things in a VR environment. Yeah. Like it's very different than rendering a 2D screen. Right. Like you can make games look incredible mm-hmm. on a regular console. Yeah. Like what I what I thought of watching this was I don't want to really play a game in VR. Yeah. I want to just like go do impossible things in VR. Mm-hmm. Um, like I I haven't actually played it, but I've seen enough of it. The new Zelda game, yeah. Breath of the Wild. Like, mm-hmm. I want someone to just like put me on that map <laughs> in VR and just go explore. Right, and, like it's yeah. a beautiful environment. Yeah, and it's massive, and you can just walk and ride horses around. Yeah, like that sounds really. I'm pretty fun. sure that's how you win Zelda is just walking and riding horses. Right, there's like dungeons and stuff. Yeah, but like I just want to explore a beautiful environment mm-hmm. in VR. Yeah, or like fly. You know what I mean? Um, I also want to fly. Yeah, I'd like to fly in real life, but. Um, but yeah, these like really cheaply animated proof of concept mm-hmm. style games and experiences are just not enticing to me whatsoever. Yeah. I feel that, but it's probably going to take over the world. It might. It's been, VR has been about to take over the world for the last, like since the nineties. Yeah. Like I did a VR thing in like the 1990s. <laughs> Like it was like this big, it looked like a submarine almost and you stuck your head up into it and you had to have hands, it had handles on it that you would grab like on the either side of your head hmm. to like move it around because mm. it was such a big bulky. Yeah. And it was on like a, uh, like arm, like descending from the ceiling. Hmm. I remember seeing, it was here at the domain actually, which is like, it was like the most domain-y thing I've ever seen. <laughs> they had closed, they closed one of the like little side streets around here and they had some i think it was lexus sure this that's the kind of people you would have closing a street at the domain um this episode is brought to you by lexus um lexus it's not buick (laughs) it's definitely different from buick yeah um and they had like a couple cars you could like test drive. Uh, but they also had a VR experience, <laughs> which I think, and I didn't do it because yeah. this looked like the saddest thing to me. You like sat on a chair in the middle of the road and you put on a headset. And, and you, pretended to drive a Lexus. And I think, I think that's what it was. I think you just like, I don't, know if you, I don't even know if you pretended to drive it. You just like pretended to be sitting inside it. <laughs> It was like you get to see what the interior of this car is like. Maybe it like looked like it was moving around. Yeah. But but it was mostly just being inside of a fake Lexus. Yeah, like there's people like getting into these cars and driving them around. Yeah. Or and you then, could just sit in a virtual version of it. Yeah. And like I remember walking like I was walking around on like my lunch break or something when I saw this. I was like, why would why would I want to do that? Yeah, I don't I don't know why you would want to do that. Like my first thought was like, oh, a VR experience. Like I've never done that before. Maybe that would be cool. And then I was like, wait, I don't want to just like pretend to sit in a car <laughs> in the middle of a street because Lexus wants me to? Like <laughs> How was your Easter? Boring? Yeah. Do you did you do an Easter thing? I made breakfast because everything was closed. <laughs> <laughs> nice. like we went grocery shopping on on saturday we normally go on sunday but uh-huh. everything's gonna be closed on a sat- sunday right so we went grocery shopping and we bought bacon and eggs mm-hmm. we made bacon and eggs and some croissant that sounds nice i didn't like make them from scratch like i bought some boxes and put them in the toaster yeah 
did they rise? Get it? No. Like Jesus. They didn't. They were I mean they were they were croissants. Like they're, Jesus they're... rose from the dead as if he was a leavened croissant though. I don't understand. <laughs> Uh, I went to the library to drop a book off. It was closed, but you yeah. probably just put it in the slot. I did. I put it in the slot. Nice. It was overdue. Ooh. By like a day. Like I, Saturday, I should have gone and taken it because it was due on Saturday, but I took it on Sunday. Do they have to know that? Oh, they have to like get it in and process yeah. it on Saturday. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've racked up like 75 cents in library fines. Yeah, you're going to owe a solid quarter on that one bad boy. Yeah. Well, that, that's the seventy-five. Like that. So I had I had fifty cents already that I've been just holding on to for a while because mm-hmm. they don't make you pay until you get like ten dollars worth of fines. <laughs> I tried to pay off a dollar of fines once. And they're like, mm, no. <laughs> I'm like, but I have like a five. Like, just give me some, give me four. And they're like, no, just don't worry about it. <laughs> that's so weird. <laughs> they didn't have to make change for me. So right. <laughs> they're like, no, we don't have enough money to give back Please to you don't. right now. No, don't pay your fine. Um, hmm. I, uh, I don't know. Oh, no, I did. I owed them a dollar for not picking up a hold on time. Yep, that'll do it. Felt a lot like being nickel and dimed. <laughs> I was like, really? Like, well, you should have picked it up on time. I should have. I went to pick it up one day after the hold expired. And you owe them a dollar. Yeah, but that seemed kind of lame. They tell you that in their email. They give you 10 days. <laughs> do you think I don't just delete those emails <laughs> you have to read them <laughs> that's why they email you to them to you that's why i've started putting in calendar alerts for when my holds and my <laughs> books are due and all that so i don't forget well, there you go yeah um cool so you made breakfast I you... the library i went to the library which is next to the heb which was closed mm-hmm. and the parking lot was empty and it's very weird seeing an empty parking lot at an heb yeah like a big empty parking yeah. lot yeah you go do like burnouts in the parking lot or anything thought about it yeah i didn't though mm. thought about doing donuts and but i drive a prius <laughs> there's only <laughs> so much you can get away with there should have had a lexus yeah it's not a prius it's not it's definitely lexus. Not a prius. it's not a prius <laughs> um did i do anything else uh we watched a lot of tv mm-hmm. amy slept in until like noon nice she's been sick the last week so it's not surprising uh, that's too bad uh yeah we did not do anything fancy we did we eat dinner we must have we made something were there any bunnies salmon or salmon oh nice that sounds good there were no bunnies no chocolate no bunnies no chocolate no um eggs eggs. you you ate eggs for breakfast yeah there we go yeah eggs um we had a very uneventful easter (laughs) Uh, I've I've never really done the like bunnies and eggs and chocolate yeah. for Easter because like I had a proper Christian upbringing and oh. the secular versions of cr- Christian Easter holiday celebrations are bad. are bad. Yeah. Um. Right. So like Easter is about Jesus, mm-hmm. and, who was a bunny, and the tomb, and and bunnies atoning for your sins. Yeah. And all that with candy, all that stuff, not like fun. Not fun, exciting things. Childhood entertainment. Yeah, I think like like a neighborhood church did like an Easter egg hunt. Yeah, but it was always like maybe go catch some eggs, but don't forget that's don't not forget. what Easter means. Jesus didn't let you eggs for your sins. <laughs> I don't think that's how it worked. No, that's what I'm saying. That's not what he yeah. did. Um, but I did. Uh, I went to church. Yeah, 
which was a very Easter thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I take the bus to church, which shows up five minutes after the service starts, Uh-oh. which is like fine. Yeah, like you, you, it's like you're allowed to be late to church. Churches always start 15 minutes after they say they're going to start. <laughs> right. That's just like how it works Mm -hmm. i feel um except this was the wrong week to do that because this church was packed and i had to stand oh wow there was like 20 people standing that's a lot of standing church got popular um no so i went to church i did the proper easter thing um and then uh i went to a farmer's market cool um which was really uh a lot lamer than i thought it was going to (laughs) be Um, so the, the bus ride home goes by this area in Austin called Mueller. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with it on airport. Um, which I don't know if you've ever like driven around it a little bit. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's own little city, mm-hmm. which f- is partly really cool. Like it's like, I rode my bike around there a mm-hmm. couple weeks ago. That's how I, like, I realized it existed and I was like, wow, like this is so well planned and nice and crafted for community mm-hmm. and public space and shared neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like it's a very like neighborhoody kind of place that's okay. obviously very well made. But then also you're like someone just like like plotted all this in a computer and then now it's here. Yeah. It feels like Sim City, <laughs> right? Which gives it a very kind of like fake feeling. Yeah. And then but then you populate it with like real people who seem like they're living normal lives and you're like, oh probably I guess it's fine. Um but they have a farmer's market on Sunday. Uh and since the bus ride home goes by, I thought I'd stop and check it out. Yeah. Uh and it was less of a farmer's market and more of a like can't think of the right word. But I wanted there to be like stands full of vegetables and mm-hmm. Like home, like locally grown food for you to buy. And it was a lot of like, I make soap in my kitchen and yeah. I'm selling it to you here. You see that at a lot of farmer's markets nowadays. Right. And there was like two tents that had like vegetables in yeah. it, um, which was kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we're getting a farmer's market brought to us at work on Friday. That's like not what a farmer's market is. I know, but they're paying for it and I can get as much produce as I want. So will you, will you make use of that? Will you like get groceries? Via oh yeah. Like I'll talk to Amy and see what we need and like what we would have normally bought at sprouts. Yeah. I'll just get like whatever they've got. Like it's a little, it'll all be seasonal stuff. So not like everything, right. but yeah, I'll, we'll take advantage of it. If they got some like asparagus or bananas. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they have at farmers markets. Bananas would be weird because no one's growing bananas around here, right? No, no one's growing bananas around here. Mm. Bananas are grown in like Costa Rica. Yeah, globalism. Yeah. Um, I've been to a banana farm in Costa Rica. I don't remember if it was in Costa Rica, but it could have been. Uh, I feel like if you were in a country where there was a banana farm, you should have remembered what country it was. It was. I was thirteen, so it was a number of years ago. Okay. Uh, it was my grandparents for their 50th anniversary took their entire extended family on a cruise to the Panama Canal and back. Oh, okay. So if you're on a cruise, you're like stopping at a bunch of different places. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. And so we stopped somewhere where there were bananas hmm. on farms. Is it like an apple orchard? Can you just like pick a banana and no. eat it? It was, you can go on a tour and look at bananas. 
Man, that sounds like a great yeah. tour. I did learn uh, bananas don't grow the direction I thought they did. They grow up? Yeah, they curve upward as hmm. they're growing. Uh, I feel like I learned that from the Jungle Book. That seems like a place you would learn it, yeah. I think there's a thing where the animal puts a thing of bananas on his head and they go up. I mean, that's not how they grow on monkey heads or anything, but I I don't know. Do they grow on trees? Bushes? Trees, big trees. Trees. Oh, I thought it was clones. like a bunch of monkeys running clone around. Clone trees. They're actually, this is actual banana facts. Right. Uh, they're clones. All the like, and like they produce a bunch and they do it one at a time, like one bunch at a time and they die off and they are reborn as a clone of the previous tree like we've genetically engineered the banana tree that they don't cross-pollinate they just die and create a clone of itself as it regrows that sounds like a very robust way to keep a banana population alive for a long time yeah it's not <laughs> uh, it's not at all right like we're gonna lose all our bananas in like 10 years right we, we already have mm. uh, this has happened once already so uh, fun banana fact the bananas you eat today are not like the bananas that your grandparents ate when they were your age. Uh, 70 to 80 years ago, bananas were a different species or variety of banana. And there was a banana blight. There was a disease that they got. And because they're all clones, they did not have the ability to like have an immunity against this banana disease. Hmm. And they all died out, and we had to grow a new strain of banana that was resistant to it. And that is the bananas that we eat now. Hmm. And it is likely that in 30 to 50 years, the same thing could happen to the bananas that we are eating, and our grandchildren will eat a different strain of banana than what we currently eat. Will it be a better banana? It'll be a different banana. It'll taste different. Hmm. I think we should just preemptively do that so we get a better banana. That's not cost effective. <laughs> okay. Bananas we have are True. fine right now. Yeah. The bananas we have are fine right now. We got yeah. good bananas. I like them. I want to know what those old bananas tasted like. Yeah. Like, and there's like no one grows old. There wasn't like. No, they don't exist anymore. A little island that like was protected from no, the they, blight. No, they're dead. That's too bad. Yeah. Man, I'd love to try. If I ever get a time machine. Go go try some bananas. Add it to the list. Try some bananas. Yeah. Like 1950 bananas? Uh, I would I would go even further back just okay. to be sure. But like, yeah, if a time machine, it's like kill Hitler, eat some bananas. Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. Yeah. All right. Now you know. I'd like to eat some old bananas. Yeah. Some bananas from the past. Do you think... Hmm. Do you think banana bread isn't that good because... It was supposed to be made with old bananas back when people started making banana bread and like old bananas had a taste that made banana bread good. I like banana bread. Yeah, but it's not like great. I, li I like banana bread a lot. <laughs> it's one of my favorite types of bread. It's just like soggy bread. Sure, but it tastes like bananas. The So I have a problem the the smell of an old banana. Yeah. The kind that goes into banana bread yeah. is utterly repulsive to me. Oh. Um, so sometimes when I'm eating banana bread, I'm like, ooh. This like is you, full of old bananas. Well, like you, like I can smell it. Yeah. You know a fun trick you can do with bananas is you can make them into soft serve ice cream? No, you can't. You can? No, you can't. 
I've done it. Because there's no cream inside bananas. Well, you add a little. So here's what you do. Uh, I learned this from Rachel Ray, although people have been doing it for years. You take some bananas, peel them, freeze them. Then you put them in your food processor with some cream. Mm. And like you're going to go crazy, some chocolate syrup. Mm -mm. (laughs) And you run the food processor until it becomes a banana flavored ice cream. Is that good? Yeah, it's real good. That does sound kind of good, actually. Yeah. I do like a banana-flavored ice cream. Yeah, it's it's real tasty, and it's 90% bananas. Like, that's... Hmm. So it, it's healthy. It's as healthy as a banana. <laughs> <laughs> it's less healthy if you put, like, Nutella in it, which is real good. <laughs> um, I wonder if you could do that with old bananas. Yes. No, I mean, like... Oh, the bananas from the past. Like 1920 bananas. I don't know. Probably. We'll never know. We'll never know. Man. Mysteries of the universe. I don't like that. What other fruits aren't the same fruits? Like, we're... I mean, tomatoes have changed a lot in the past hundred years. Is that why there's things called heirloom tomatoes? Because yeah. those are the kinds that... They're much closer to the originals yeah. or the old version of tomatoes. But like, are grapes like not actually grapes? Grapes? <laughs> I don't know what grapes are. Wine seeds. Oh yeah, yeah. No, those are those are weird. Um, <laughs> that was stupid. That was all but I could fun. come up with on the spot. Um, it was fun. I enjoyed enjoyed our little banter. Hmm. Um, what else did I do for Easter? Uh, I went to Melanie's and ate a lot of ham. Yeah, ate a, a lot of ham. lot of ham. Um, various other things. Yeah, and uh, ice cream cake and played a stupid game. There you go. Yeah. Like I all like we played someone suggested joking hazard mm-hmm. and I wanted, I wanted to be like, can we play cards against humanity instead? Like, Ugh. cause at least it like, it would be a little better. Um, I think joking hazard is better than cards against humanity, but see, I have a low opinion of both. I, so I, I don't, I think, I think cards against humanity is more capable of like real jokes than joking hazard is, or at okay. least like better humor. Okay. Better brand of humor. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be the guy who like isn't a stickler about stuff. Yeah. And let's good. people, let's other people have fun because yeah. ev- everyone else seemed to have fun. Good. I'm glad people and had I was, fun. And I was like, I'm going to play a card about a boner. <laughs> nah. Nah. Boners nah. are funny. Boner. Yeah. Boners are funny. I mean, pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I did nothing, nothing on Easter. Uh, I did I did nothing on Saturday also. Mm-hmm. Like, that was good. Uh, Friday, I moved out of my office and moved into a new office today. That was really? an exciting thing, yeah. Wow, why? Uh, they moved our team to another office. Hmm. Like a new building? Yeah. Wow, where? Yeah. On 360, a mile north of where our current office was. <laughs> That's like, the fine. old office is still there. Like, that hasn't gone away. You're just ex- expanding. Yeah. Nice. So they moved us up the road a little bit. Is that uh, What's that experience like for you to, like, move offices? It, like, is it that big of a deal? Did you have that much stuff to move? Or? I had I had some stuff. Basically, I had, you know, various things. I did not have... I And they we hired a company, and they give you these big red tubs. You put all your stuff in your tub, and you write where it's going. Mm-hmm. And then you show up on... And you do that on Friday, and you show up on Monday, and all your stuff's there. You just have to like spend part of your day on Monday setting up I mean, again. Twenty minutes tops. Yeah. 
do you still have all the like fun amenities of like a fancy kitchen and people cooking for you basically yeah building yeah. yeah like so they they because we're a mile away uh, they actually do all the cooking at the old building and use a catering truck to bring it up to us. And they have a catering kitchen there to like yeah. finalize and mix things and nice. stuff like that. So it's literally the same food. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's fine. The The cafeteria is too small. Mm. Like it's it's fine, but the building is not full and the cafeteria is basically full at lunchtime. Yeah. So like if they fill the rest of the building, we're going to have a problem. Right. Uh, I was surprised at how small the cafeteria was. But yeah, still snacks and drinks and food. And we have really fancy desks uh, that, so they're adjustable, but you don't like have to lift them or push them down. There's a button you push that's like raise desk. Is it like it a little goes, motor that? Yeah, and it goes, and it raises up and you push lower desk and it goes, and lowers your desk. Dang. That's yeah. pretty cool. It is. It's pretty fancy. Are you doing the are you doing the standing desk thing at all? Oh yeah, I've been, I've been doing that for a while. Oh really? Uh, I don't do it all the time, but I'll I'll at least a couple hours a day, you know, have my desk raised. I wish I could do that. It's nice. Uh, I'm super fidgety, which also like seems to help. I'm not less fidgety when I'm standing, but I can kind of like bounce on my feet or right. you know walk away from my desk, you know, a couple a foot or two and come back, so it allows me to be fidgety. Right. Yeah, I feel like sometimes I want to be. Like, I want to pace while I'm working, yeah. but I can't, like, get out of my chair and, like, pace for five seconds, then get yeah. back in my chair and, like... I want yeah, to- with a standing desk, you can dance at your desk if you're me and <laughs> listen to music. Uh, I definitely catch myself, like, dancing at my desk. Really? <laughs> yeah. Nobody seems to mind. Do you have your own office, or are you in, like, some kind of shared open workspace? Oh, we're, it's all shared open workspace. Yeah. So I'm, like, on a row... There's four desks in a row. Yeah. Um, and we are facing four other desks in a row with like a shared divider between them. So I'm st- if my monitor wasn't there, I'd be staring at the person across from me. Because mm. yeah, that increases collaboration or something? It's supposed to. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. No. Well, it- well I, I mean, for what it's worth, I don't have anybody to collaborate with because I'm the only me. Right. Like I'm the only person in my role. Right. Um, so basically what it means is people can come up to me and ask questions whenever they want. <laughs> <laughs> That was my lame attempt at a segue to talk about. I got strep throat. Yeah, you got strep throat. We missed an episode because you got strep throat. We did miss an episode. I'm blaming Jesse. Sorry about last week. That was, it was, or two weeks ago. It was absolutely my fault. Yeah. Um, My body hates me yeah. and responds really nicely to strep throat. Yeah. Except, <sighs> okay. <laughs> Apparently it wasn't strep throat. Was it mono? I don't know. Was it was it drugs? It wasn't drugs. Okay. I didn't do drugs. So um definitely felt like strep throat. Yeah. And Scratchy, I, painful. Super painful. Coughing. Like swallowed knives, yeah. painful throat, like all the white spots all over my tonsils, yeah. hugely inflamed. I had a fever. It sounds like strep throat. Like classic bacterial infection strep throat. Yeah. That I like would get on a regular basis as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to get it like every single year Ugh. and then it slowed down and it was like every couple of years that I get it as an adult. Yeah. Um, but it was, it's like a kind of routine thing for me. It's like, Oh, like I feel like I have strep throat. So I go to the doctor. I tell them to give me antibiotics. They I take, do the swab test. They, they Those are always fun. Swab my throat mercilessly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, like my mouth is wide open and I'm like yeah. gagging in yeah. a nurse's face. 
Yeah, they love that. Oh, boy, yeah, do they? But I, uh, the the immediate test came back negative, which it always does for me. Okay. And they said, like, you know, we'll send it out. It'll be a couple days, but yeah. we'll give you antibiotics because yeah. this this looks, looks like, like strep throat. And I responded immediately to antibiotics. Mm-hmm. The fever and the swelling went away within 24 hours. Great. And the throat pain was still there a little bit. Yeah. Um. But I, and I just finished my course of antibiotics yesterday or two days yeah. ago, and uh, like now today, I'm like <laughs> feeling a little feverish again. That's bad. Like, Are you just, getting me sick? Just a little bit, <laughs> and I don't. And the other weird thing is, okay, I'm telling this in a very bad order. <laughs> My strep throat as a child always baffled doctors. Okay. Because it always it always came back negative the first time. Yeah. And when they got the full, the cul- test, it was the full always... culture, it always was a very rare strain of, strep. of the strep bacteria. Okay. Not like A or B. Yeah. Like F or yeah. whatever. And they were always like, how did you get this? <laughs> right? Like, um. But this time, my culture came back completely negative. Oh, wow. Like, there was no strep bacteria, apparently. But I was talking to my doctor. I was like, then how did I respond to antibiotics right away? Yeah. And they were like, well, it could be a coincidence or it could be a placebo. Yeah, placebo effect's very real. Right? Like, and I'm like, hey, if it was a placebo, great. Like, I got better. That's what mattered. Made me feel better. Um, But the really strange symptom that Jesse gets when he gets strep throat since he was a child is... Um, it tears a hole in the left side of my throat in front of my tonsil. That sounds terrible. It's very terrible. Like there is a, you get, I get like an open gash that splits open in front of my tonsil. This is, this is disgusting and painful. Yes. So when I eat and drink food, it gets stuck in there and because (sighs) it's open flesh, it's like everything hurts it's like having an open like scrape on yeah. your arm and you get and then, like water or something pouring on it some it, stuff and oh. it stings oh. except that's inside your throat this i'm never getting strep throat this sounds um, like a terrible plan but doctors were always like this is strange that shouldn't be happening but this should heal <laughs> probably did it and it always did okay except it hasn't yet this oh. time so it still hurt. Like, I don't know if you've noticed, I haven't drank much of this beer. And when I do take a sip, I tilt my head to the right. I haven't noticed because I'm not paying attention. But I tilt that's my head funny. to the right and try to swallow things on the right side of my throat instead so of as the to left. Not, that's weird. So as to not get things to touch my throat because it's intensely painful. Wow. Like I, I kind of want you to do it right now just so I can see your reaction, <laughs> which is terrible. Like yes. that's a mean thing. I'd kind of like you to like cut your arm open, Kevin, just to see what happens. Well, I mean, if your arm, if my arms are already cut open, <laughs> like, kind of wiggle it around a yeah. little bit in there. Um, it reminds me of a funny story that I'll tell you in a moment. So now I don't know what's going on with my body. Yeah. Cause that hasn't healed yet. Um, I'm feeling a little feverish again. Yeah. Like throughout the day, I've been feeling a little feverish. So hopefully I, hopefully I wake up tomorrow morning and I feel fine. That's the good plan. Right. Good plan. And like my throat feels a better today than it did. Like up until today, it'd been consistently bad and yeah. this morning felt much better. Okay. But it's still not great. Yeah. Um, But I'm feeling feverish again. So I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. It could be very bad. Yeah. Or maybe I'll continue to progress. And get better. But uh, yeah, the doctor said it, like maybe it's viral. Like it could be 
mono. Yeah. Which I never had. I've never had it. As a child. But apparently, like, it's supposed to, like, wipe you out. The people I know who have had mono have had it real bad. For weeks. Mm -hmm. But, like, I got better for more than a week. You got a little better. Like, but, like, my body and my brain and my Mm -hmm. ability to work and be active, like, totally normal after 24 hours on antibiotics. Yeah. Just my throat continued to hurt. Huh. Which was like, whatever, like, it's just a thing that has to heal. Yeah, it's probably because you have that open sore inside. Yeah, it's that open sore that really that really does it. Um, so now I'm like, fuck, do I have mono? Yeah. Or, like, did the, the infection not really die? And now that I finished my antibiotics, <laughs> like, it's coming back? Maybe? I don't know. I'm nah. not a doctor. It doesn't sound fun, though. So don't, don't do that. Maybe I'll die. I mean, it's always on the outside chance. Yeah. Oh, and then the other fun thing is I like a couple nights ago, I thought I like slept weird and my back kind of hurt the way yeah. it does when you wake up after you sleep a little weird. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, I'll just kind of shake this one off. I haven't been able to shake it off. My back's hurt real weird for like three days. I'm, I'm worried. And I'm like, man, maybe I just like pinched a nerve or something. But I don't know. Maybe there's like a xenomorph growing inside me. I, I hope not. Or a tentacle monster? I don't know. That's not better. I forget the order. <laughs> Which one came first? The xenomorph or the tentacle monster? Yeah. Oh, it just reminded me of a fun story of you being in pain. Mm. Reminded me of uh, Penn Jillette of Penn and Teller. Mm-hmm. He used to have a radio show called Penn Radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, as part of his magic show, he will often juggle broken glass liquor bottles mm-hmm. as like... A bit like it's not it's not magic it's just it's just a thing he can do (laughs) yeah Um, and it's very difficult because they he breaks them live on stage so he'll have like 10 of them and he'll like smash them until he gets ones that are good that he can like throw right um and juggle with but it's each one has a different weight and a different turn because it's broken randomly right um and so it's always a bit of a challenge yeah no kidding and one night he cut his hand open on stage really yeah um, and like just like apparently on, on like the the ball of his thumb and just like this big gash and like a big flap of skin hanging out that'll bleed yeah and it did and he went and like he plays the bass during intermission and he had like it was just bleeding down the bass <laughs> that's um, so badass <laughs> yeah it's very metal and uh, so on his radio show the next day he had heard about people uh, using super glue to like fix little cuts and things yeah. if you're a mountain climber uh-huh. like it's very now his was not a little cut it was like a flap of skin hanging off which is not a super glueable cut no 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 no. Um, but he decided to live on air super glue it closed oh god and they had a nurse call in so it was okay <laughs> and so it's him and his co-host uh, who is not teller is a guy named michael godot um are there like pouring super glue into this open wound <laughs> Oh, that's live on air. Yeah, so bad. It, I, it did. That was that was one of my favorite episodes of like a radio show or a podcast ever. He's like screaming into the just, microphone. Yeah, right? it's just bad. Just Man. don't do it. I use super glue all the time for wounds, but it, yeah, you're right. It has to be the right type. It's a li- of like wound. a like a scrape or like a a very small like cut, a, a slit. Yeah, right. Like where you just put the two pieces of your skin together. Yeah, and just super glue the seam. Uh huh. Where this was not that. Where super glue is not entering open flesh. Yeah. It's just covering. Super glue them. should not enter open flesh. No. Oh, God. Have I. Uh, so, the worst thing that's ever happened with super glue. Yeah. In the history of the world, I'm com- yeah, confident ever. saying this. <laughs> history of the world, worst thing ever happened with super glue. Um, I had a great aunt who 
mistook a bottle of super glue for eye drops one time. <laughs> ah, ah, that's the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of super glue. She super glued her eyeball. <laughs> oh. And I think like, you know, the, it's going to be incredibly painful. Yeah. It's going to sting a lot. And then it's going to super glue your eye closed. Oh. And then you have to like flush oh. away all the glue that then like coats your whole eyeball yeah. and... That was a that was a bit in American Pie too. Was it really? Well, not the eyeball. Although that that's probably been in a movie or something as well. Probably. Like that's happened. But um, no, in American Pie. I think it was American Pie two. Um, American Pie is a pretty good film in and of itself. The sequels really fall off a cliff. Uh huh. Um, although I stopped watching at American Wedding, which was the fourth one. I don't know. Yeah. Well, there was there was five in the main series. And like three spinoff movies. I know way too much about the American Pie franchise. <laughs> I've never seen one of them. Yeah, the first one's pretty good. It's not great. It's as a high school coming of age film, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but in the second one, there is a joke where uh, the main character, I think it's the main character, is uh, masturbating and reaches for a bottle of lube, but it is in fact super glue. <laughs> yeah, there you and go. And glues his hand to his junk. That'll, uh, that'll stop you. And then... For reasons I don't remember, he gets locked out on the roof of his house in his, his underwear with his hand glued to his junk. Nice. Yeah, I mean, classic high I mean, that, school coming of age. That tells you the the sort of it's every level teenage- that American Pie 2 was at, and they get worse from there. It's every teenage boy's experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because American Pie is very, very famous for the opening scene. Where the same character is caught masturbating by his family, right? And it's and it's like to like scrambled porn or something on one of the channels <laughs> you can't get. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's a very like it's a it's a pitch perfect like comedy of awkward sort of moment, right? And it's a very good scene, like and it holds up really well. But yeah. they're all they, every American Pie movie after that tries to like top that in terms of like awkwardness and getting caught in an uncomfortable position and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it just they just go spiral out of control yeah yeah i can imagine yeah <laughs> yeah super glue don't uh don't do things with it be just carefully be careful. glue things with it yeah That's glue it. things you need to be glued together yeah um i had a friend who uh liked to play the fun prank of putting a bunch of super glue on his hand yeah just on his palm and then asking you for a handshake and <laughs> Why would someone do these things? So he like squeeze a bunch onto his palm and like hold his palm out, yeah, it's his like, hand hey, out hey, like palm my hand. downish, yeah. so you don't and see so you it. Grab it, and you're like, okay, I'll shake your hand because for some reason it's a it's an instinct. Yeah, uh, and then your hands are glued together. That's a terrible thing. It's really terrible because then when you try to like rip your hands apart, like your skin's gonna come off. Yeah, or you have to like carefully wash your hands together in yeah. a sink. And like rubbing alcohol is really good for that. Right. Um, man, have you ever, uh, I'm trying to think of things getting stuck to other things. Have you ever done the classic lick a flagpole in cold weather? No, but I did lick my freezer once. How'd that go? Poorly. Did you get? Uh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I managed to unstick myself successfully. So nobody knew that it happened. Mm. I've, I've done the actual flagpole yeah well you lived up north where you had cold flagpoles yeah every flagpole yeah <laughs> they're all cold, <laughs> they're all cold. um it works you get stuck to it yeah yeah 
Yeah, that sounds bad. I was ready to go with plenty of saliva. Yeah, you had that backed up. Yeah, so you can just like dump the... <laughs> get a quick saliva dump on the tip of your tongue. And, and it comes off. And pull away easily. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad you're prepared. You got to do it. There's the there's a correct temperature range. Yeah. Like, you don't want to go below like 25. Yeah, because then your saliva is never going to be good enough. Because then, yeah, it freezes too quickly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know if I've stuck many other things together accidentally or otherwise. Have you ever been stuck to a Velcro wall? No. Have you ever been duct taped to a wall? I have duct taped somebody to a wall. Mm. I have not been duct taped. That's a classic like youth camp. Oh yeah. You know, we did that at like the when I went to the summer camps at like college, yep. like the some college summer camp away mm-hmm. things. We that's where we duct taped people. Yeah, I've been duct taped to a wall. It's not that hard. No, it doesn't take. I mean, take duct tape. You need you need a lot of duct tape. But other than that, yeah. it's pretty straightforward. But I mean, for like a like a little short scrawny kid, like yeah, me, oh, like, yeah. You, you just do it. A, you just need a couple strips. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I wonder if you could super glue someone to a wall. Yes. Yes, you could. <laughs> Don't do it. That's a bad idea. Like it might not work with their clothing. Yeah, the clothing sports, but you skin. Skin. Yeah, you just, just super glue a naked person to a wall. Yeah, that would work. God, that's a bad idea. It's a terrible idea. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Brought to you by Lexus. Mm, yeah. Thank you, Lexus. Have you ever been super glued to a Lexus? No. Although there is a uh, a famous play based on an actual things that happened called Hands on a Hard Body, where uh, have you heard of this as a competition? Um, like a uh, usually a like dealership will put this on as like a a contest mm-hmm. and everybody, people can sign up and they draw names out of a hat and whoever signs up uh, and everybody puts a hand on a car or a truck or a vehicle like one, of some sort. One yeah. One, all in the same vehicle. Yep. And the last person to remove their hand from the vehicle wins the car. Oh man. Yeah. Th- I love that kind of contest. Yeah. That like, just like endurance challenge. Yeah. Like how, it's up to you. Yeah. You just get to decide how much you want to suffer. Yeah. Like you can just walk away after a minute and then you don't have a car that you already didn't own mm-hmm. and like your life is not any different. Yeah. Or you can stand there for a week and win a car. Yeah. <laughs> Someone made a musical about that called Hands on a Hard Body. That's hilarious. Yeah. Do you have the uh do you have the stamina to succeed in something like that? No. No? No. You just like you don't care. Yeah, that's really, really it. I mean, if it was the right thing, like I might not do that for a car. Yeah. Right. Because I like I don't own a car, but I don't own a car because I don't want to. I don't like owning a car. Yeah. Not that I don't like buying a car. I also don't like buying a car. Right. Like I don't either. But like if I wanted a car, I'd buy one. Yeah. But if it was like, I mean, like put your hand on the object representing your student loan. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like I would stand, I would stand there in my own, in my own waist for two weeks probably to pay off my student loan. That's fair. I would. Yeah. I'd survive two weeks of utter misery. Yeah. For to pay off your student student loan. For sure. You're probably not alone in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's better than the like 10 years of utter misery. There you go. (laughs) It's an improvement. Right, but like there's not a lot of like objects that represent your student loan. Well, like that I would suffer like that for. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't 
You don't even like stuff. Yeah, right. Like, I don't want a lot of things. Yeah. And I don't want a lot of things. The things I do want, there's not a lot that are, like, that valuable. Yeah. Like, I might do it for a nice bike. Yeah. Like, how nice? Like, I'd, I'd do it for, like, a like a top-of-the-line everything. Okay. Like, something that would cost more than $8,000. That's a lot for a bike. So, it, that's, like, low top-end for a bike. That's a lot yeah. for a bike. <laughs> What if this uh, vehicle was a truck? Could you just lay in the bed and would that count? I don't think so. Okay. I think that's against the rules. Hmm. Yeah, laying down would really help. It'd make it a lot easier. Yeah. Remember when uh, David Blaine laid down for a week and pretended it was a magic trick? He does a lot of like, like how long can I just be static? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, yeah, he did, he was, like, buried alive. And it's like he, he was in a box. Mm-hmm. And he laid down for a week. I mean, that's not a magic trick. No. Right? Like, there's a problem of definitions there. Yeah. But that does sound miserable. I mean, it doesn't sound great. Yeah. Like, have you ever laid down for a week? No, I don't want to. Yeah. Or the one where he stood in a block of ice for uh, three days. Yeah, that's... Well, see, that one doesn't even work really well because the air inside it would warm up with your body temperature. Mm-hmm. Like, the ice wouldn't melt, but you would there would be, like, a bubble of air around you. Yeah. So you're just standing for three days. It would actually get very pleasant. Yeah, there. it's probably all right. Was he barefoot? I don't think so. I think he had socks. Yeah, because he would just lose his feet if he was yeah, barefoot. I don't know. It was... Those are dumb things David Pine does. Does he do real magic? Yes. As real as any magic. But what David Blaine's, like, success comes from is in the reaction shots. Mm. In the people, like, overreacting to very boring magic tricks. Like, Mm -hmm. most of the magic tricks he does are not particularly exciting. Mm Mm-hmm. But he was the first one that did them on the street and showed you these outrageous, over-the-top, unbelievable reactions that made everybody go, oh, he must be really good. Mm-hmm. Like one of the ones he does, which is the most simple magic trick on the planet, it's not easy to do well, but like you can do it with zero tools or preparation. You can do it anywhere is his levitation trick. Hmm. And like I looked it up because I was I was a student of magic once upon a time. Mm-hmm. And the levitation trick I could do for you right now. It wouldn't be great, and I don't have the right shoes for it because I'm not wearing shoes. <laughs> but the levitation trick is you you have both of your feet, and you position yourself so that that one foot is towards the audience, and one is not one is is blocked by your second by your first foot. Mm-hmm. And you lift yourself up on one toe. Right. Like one foot rises up flat and the other rises up with At the an toe angle. still on yeah. the ground. But if you angle it right, it looks like, oh, he flew up for a second. Right. Like three no, inches. Because no one's eyes are at ground level. Yeah. So you always just see the ground beneath yeah. your feet. You never have the right angle to see the toe still on the ground. Yeah. Like that's that's a trick that has been done for maybe hundreds of years. Probably longer than that. Probably. It's a pretty easy trick. Right. And David Blaine did it on the street and got people to go, Whoa! <laughs> He's a wizard. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, no, he, he went, 
I mean, you probably have to practice it a little bit. Yeah, it takes work, takes some practice, but it's not a difficult trick. Right. It is a well-known trick. It's not like he invented, like a lot of magicians invent brand new tricks. They find brand new ways of doing things that have never been done before. Right. And play on your estimation, your understanding of how things should work. Um, and as, as uh, I think, Penn, Gillette of Penn and Teller, second mention of the episode, <laughs> uh, said once that the trick to doing a magic trick is putting in a hundred times more work than makes any sense. Yes. Yes. The amount of preparation and work and effort that you have to do it has to be so unbelievable that no one would expect you to do it. Right. Like that's what magic tricks are is un outrageous amounts of unnecessary work to do something that looks very simple. Right. The solution to it has to be so unintuitive yeah. that the person the observer couldn't f just figure it out. Yeah. Like the levitation trick is pretty intuitive. Yeah. Like you watch someone just walk up onto a sidewalk and they start levitating. Like it's easy to figure out like, Oh, like their other foot's behind their other one. Yeah. Like, so they must just yeah. be lifting up on one of their toes. Like the truly like insane counterintuitive solution would be mm. that they like built the sidewalk beforehand yeah. and like did something to it to like make themselves mm -hmm. look like they were, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that would be unbelievable, mm -hmm. but no, it's just like a weird foot thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's things like that that make me mad about David Blaine. I have to admit, uh, the way that I am most familiar with David Blaine are those parody videos of the guy with like the fake mustache who pretended to be David Blaine. I don't know that I've seen these. Oh really? There's yeah. like an old classic internet funny video. Yeah. Of a guy who looks like David Blaine and he does stupid tricks. Yeah. And then he like, like goes like, what? And he like makes eyes at the camera <laughs> and like, like moves his hands around and says yeah. like, whoa, That's my good. God. And then I he like, like yeah, you, yeah. you do that for like 10 minutes. Yeah. It's a pretty funny video. I can see that. Yeah. Chris Angel does the same sort of stuff. He's, he's in the same boat. As David Blaine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he doesn't do like the stunts, but like he does a lot of like magic tricks that are not very good. But he gets good reactions. Cause you, I don't know if you remember Chris Angel, Mind Freak. Mind Freak, yes. Oh, Mind Freak. Yeah. Because it's, it's the same thing. It's, you know, getting good reactions from your audience. Right. All of which could be staged. Because um, it's a video that you're yeah, watching. You, you don't know that's a live reaction. You don't know what that is. Yeah. Uh, and Penn and Teller did a thing like that once uh, for a t televised special. Is they got a group of people and were like, okay, we're going to do a fake magic trick and we need your reactions. And people were more than game to be like like in on it and do it. And that was part of the fun was to be sure, doing this. I would do that. Yeah. That'd be a blast. And so they like in the entire special leading up to it, like every time there was a commercial break, they would cut to someone's reaction from this magic trick coming up, this unbelievable magic trick that they're gonna do. You won't believe the reactions. They're cutting these people like freaking out and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> and they get to the end of it and they reveal and it's like, no, we just had people freaking out. Like that's <laughs> That's awesome. That's all it was. And we, we worked together and we had a guy off screen saying, okay, now look over here. Now do this. And then like, like that was the magic trick. Yeah. <laughs> was there was no magic trick. Just people freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. But it made awesome. for good bumpers. No, no kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's so stupid. Um, man. Yeah. Magic's weird. Magic's very weird. I, I, I still like magic a lot. Yeah. I really like the Penn and Teller Fool Us. I don't know if you've watched that show. No. It's really good. Uh, the premise of it is fantastic. Uh, Penn and Teller magicians have been doing it for 30, 40 years now. Mm -hmm. um, and the premise of it is they miss the, they know too much about magic 
and they miss the surprise that magic gives them. Okay. Because every trick they see, it's like, yeah, I never did it. And then, and so Penn and Teller fool us is they bring out a magician, uh, to come out and perform one trick. And it's, it's a competition. Mm. And so the magician comes out and does a trick and then Penn and Teller talk for a minute and like make notes and things like that while they're watching it. And then they say whether or not they can figure out how they did it. Hmm. And they don't tell you specifically how the guy did it because they don't want to ruin it for everybody else. Right. It'd be kind of a dick yeah. move to like ruin the guy's trick. Yeah. But they will they will sit there and they'll say like sly things and and it's like, so what do you think? And they're like, yeah, I, you didn't, I didn't fool you. Cool. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, one of my favorites was, um, it, was a, it was another magician duo. There was two of them. And they did a... It was more complex than this, but it was a disappearing, reappearing act. So mm-hmm. one of the magicians goes in a box and he shows up at the back of the audience like a second later. Yep. Good trick. Yes. And like Penn and Teller, like Penn talked, Teller doesn't because that's his bit, but you right. know, they talked amongst themselves and Penn is like saying so. So not saying I know how you did it, but if Teller and I were to learn how you did it, were to talk to you and figure out how, we, how you did it, and we got the exact same props, the exact same setup. We did all that sort of stuff. Could Teller and I perform this trick? And they went, thank you, good night, and like walked off stage. <laughs> Saying that like they nope, figured nope, it no, out? Yeah, they figured it out. It's like, nope. <laughs> huh. So that so Penn and Teller not like being disqualified from well, so the, doing it. Yeah, because Penn and Teller specifically could not do it, uh-huh. they're like, no, you know how it's done. Because that, that question got at the heart of how the trick was done. That Wait, that's so confusing. Well, so because I'm a student of magic, I think I figured out how they, what they were doing. And uh-huh. the, the trick was, it was not a two-man trick. It was a three-man trick. Ah, so like one of them had a twin or a body yeah. double of some kind. Yeah. yeah. But that that's almost like back to the, like, is it intuitive or not? Like, that's yeah. almost very, well, so a lot of almost magici- too A lot intuitive. of the magicians on there aren't very good. Like, right. they're, they're good. They're not inventive. Some of the most basic tricks that fool them are not ones that are flashy or showy. Right. They're just they're impossible right <laughs> yeah and and so they go no you did it you fooled us like we can't we can't figure out like and they'll ask a question or two and they'll say like hey you know if if this was happening would you say mm-hmm. and he's like nope and they're like well in that case you fooled us yeah and there was one of them where it was it was a real basic simple thing where it was basically somebody wrote a word and put it in an envelope and there were six envelopes and they got mixed up and he just pointed to the right one um and and they opened it up and it was the right thing and there was there was more to it than that but it was like sure. a predi- it was a prediction it was yeah. like I predict which one it's going to be it's going to be this one and it was and they asked him a couple questions and they they did a little probing thing and they're like yeah we have no idea how you did it, you did it. hmm no no way of knowing <laughs> yeah and they really get excited when that happens because well because that's the that's whole what thing the like yeah. they're like some of the world's leading yeah. experts in magic and magic tricks and stuff so if like that's as high of the litmus test as you can get. Like if you can fool Penn and Teller, yeah. Like you have a good trick. Yeah. And the winning, and if you if you do fool them, you get to go perform with them in Vegas. You get to go do a show with them in Vegas, which is a really big deal. Yeah, like that's nice. exciting as nice. well. That's awesome. Um, so it's it's funny because I get enjoyment out of it because I'm I'm also trying to figure out how they did it. Right. Other people I've watched it with like get mad that I'm like I know how they did that. Not because <laughs> I know, but because like they're just watching it to see cool magic tricks. Mm. See, I'm a I'm a. I always want to figure it out. Like yeah. I watch a magic trick and I'm like, it, it's hard for me to just be like, Oh yeah, cool trick. Yeah. 
I'm happy. Well, and like, they, I, and they ask enough know. questions, and I know enough about magic that a lot of their questions they can ask a question, and you and that lets you and, figure and out goes, what they're leading. Oh, towards. that's probably what they're what they're talking about. Like you wouldn't have thought to ask the question, but when they do, now you're yeah. led to something yeah. that even I might not be led yeah. to. I can figure out what they're asking, which means I can often figure out how the trick works. Mm. Huh? I like I, I had a I had a good friend in high school who did a lot of like close up card handling yeah magic those stuff. are hard um and he got he got very good at it he was yeah. in, just he was incredibly dexterous anyway he mm-hmm. he grew up playing piano oh, and cool. was very good at piano so he had, he had big long fingered piano hands yeah. and incredible control with his hands already so when he started doing magic tricks he could just you could just do anything with oh hands, yeah right <clears throat> and i remember like he would he would walk me through some of his like complicated tricks yeah and in, in a way where he's like showing me what he's every doing. step and it's like Whoa. and then he'd do it again and i'd be like no i still can't see it yeah like yeah. like like palming things and doing oh, yeah. fa- like false cars and stuff penn and, and I, I still do a version of that it. uh penn and teller do the cups and balls you know the classic like cup and ball routine like yep. balls move around between cups and you move the cups and they're not where you expect them to be and yep. new things show up uh they do a version of that with clear plastic cups <laughs> And it's fantastic. Like, just absolutely showing off how skilled they are. Well, because they'll, they'll do the trick. They do it normally. Because this is, Penn and Teller are one of the first magicians to, like, show you how tricks work. Right. That's, that's, that, was, that was one of their big things earlier in the days is they got in trouble for, like, t- telling you how tricks worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they do this every now and then. I've seen it recorded three or four times. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Uh, where they'll do the cups and balls with, you know, red solo cups and some balls of foil and do the thing and they go one of the great rules of magic is you never you know repeat a joke you never repeat a trick you never let the audience see your preparations and you never repeat or you never do the cups and balls with clear plastic cups (laughs) and they do all three of those and you watch them do it and they do it so fast that even though they are explaining to you what they're doing while they are doing it you go that was fantastic yeah (laughs) yeah and that like when you like if they were if they were just doing a cup and balls trick that you could figure out, that's terrible. Yeah. Right. They're bad at it. Yeah. But if they're they're doing a cup and ball trick, and it's they're so good that they're showing it to you and you still can't figure it out. Like you can't follow everything like, that's going on. You still because can't they're that see efficient. It. You still can't see it, even though they're showing and telling you everything you need. Yeah. Or everything they could. Yeah. To help you. Like that all combines to like a whole new level of exactly. wonder. Like I love it. Yeah. Now you're not just like, wow, that I am tricked. You're just like, like wow, where'd that ball come from? I need to like worship at their feet because <laughs> they're so talented. Yeah. They do a really, another really one. It's not even a trick. It is, um, it's a performance, but it is, it is showing off some of the aspects of like how magic works, like ditching something, getting something new from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Like how to, how to lie like a magician. Like what are the different moves and things they do? Uh, and they do it in this fascinating way because Teller comes out on stage um, he with a cigarette and he lights it, puffs on it, throws it away, and, an, and pulls out another one and lights it. Like that's all he does. Okay. Except none of that is what he actually did. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> so like he does, he does like, uh, there's only one cigarette. He doesn't actually throw it on the ground. Um, it was lit the whole time. So he, he could light it twice. Um, at one point the cigarette is in his ear. 
<laughs> like just sticking out. <laughs> <laughs> but he's facing peril to the audience, so you don't see it. But he hides it there yeah. to ditch it, like as they're talking about. It. And so he like does these like three or four different things, and you go, I. Like it's just fascinating to watch. Right. There's not a trick. There's not like a mystery. Right. It's just the the ability to do something and make it look like something else. Yeah. Um, I think I think it was you who told me about this, probably like a long time ago on yeah. another, on an old episode. I can go on for hours about Penn and Teller. Teller. Yeah, but I think you you told me about um the nail gun trick. I love the nail gun trick. And I remember watching that video after you told me about yeah. it, and it's mind blowing. I love that because video. Th- that like something like that like it's different from like like cups and ball yeah like because it's really high stakes or yeah. it's presenting itself as incredibly yes. high stakes because you're watching it and going well it really looks like he might just shoot a nail into himself yeah right yeah but like but you want to you want to assume like okay there's obviously some built-in level of safety here like he's mm-hmm. not actually at risk of shooting a nail into himself but you yeah. can't figure out how that could be possible yeah so yeah, it's that. Th- well, and and they've both said specifically like they will never do a trick that has any actual risk to it, right? Because that's morally wrong, right? It is. It is like yeah, they're they're professional liars. They will lie to you every day, which way? But that's their job. Mm-hmm. They will never put themselves or someone else in harm's way, right? Be- they'll they'll lie about it and say you're putting themselves in harm's way, right? But they never actually will. no. They they're very against something like and like that. you can know that. Yeah, but you can still watch the <laughs> nail gun trick and go, he's gonna put a nail into his hand. Like, like you can't. You still. They they're so good that they make you doubt those yeah. foundational assumptions. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, is this the one where they actually are in harm's way? Yeah. Because I can't figure I love out it. how else it could be. Yeah. yeah. Teller got run over by a Mack truck in a trick once, <laughs> like an eighteen wheeler. They they rolled over him. Uh huh. Yeah. But not actually. But not actually.